Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. So welcome to Impact Mindset. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs and professionals bringing you the best ideas and people to grow your startup in today's marketplace. Each week we deliver interviews, tips and tools to inspire, train and support you in your entrepreneurship journey. Today with me is Ms. Christelle from Van Amsterdam. Christelle van Amsterdam. Christelle is Senior Business Development Consultant at the Bourgeon agricultural company, a Nigeria-based integrated agricultural company with offices in the Benelux, Germany, and other parts of Eastern Europe. Before then, she has served as information technology recruitment consultant at the FMS group and various other roles, both in sales, recruitment, and business development. Welcome to the show, Christelle. Thank you very much, Ronald. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's good to have you. And would you briefly tell our audience something about yourself, your personal background, your professional uh, background? Yes, of course. Um, my name is Christelle. I'm Cameroonian. I, uh, well, Dutch Cameroonian. I moved to the Netherlands at the age of eight. Um, obviously, the my studies here in the Netherlands, uh, I studied marketing communications. And I got into entrepreneurship really young. Um, at the age of 21, I had my first company uh, with my ex. And, you know, we, we run it. We ran it for three years about. Um, I learned a lot during those three years, um, made some profit. And then from there on, you know, sometimes you have the failure or lessons, as we, uh, as we like to call them. Um, lessons. Yeah, that was, a, that was a huge lesson. I mean, I, I learned about... Um, starting up a company, um, you know, the process, what, what you should avoid as well, the risk you should avoid, um, and basically how you could see your business and reduce risk at the same time. So um, quite some lessons there. And, you know, from there on, I moved on. I wanted to get into the environment of, you know, like a working environment, right. get experience as well, because I thought that it was important to also – um, update my sales skills, which I did. So I started at FSM Group as a recruiter, um, where I learned many, many things. Um, I gained my confidence back as well. But after, after a crisis like that, you know, after having uh, having had a business and you know experiencing such a crisis, you uh, kind of get into a day. So then, um, when I got into FSM Group again, I regained my entrepreneurial spirit and. Uh, it became more clear to me as to what I wanted to do in the future and where I wanted to head to. But I decided to just stay in the company for around two years. And, and um, yeah, but in the meantime, last year, 2019, let me check, when was it? About February, January, February about. Um, I got in touch with uh, Wale Ojo, who's my business partner in the uh, Bojan Agricultural Company. And he reached out to me saying that, yes, um, you know, I might have something that's very interesting for you. 
um, a role that you could fulfill within my company. And I was like, okay, well, let me hear about it. What is it? <laughs> right. So we had a phone call um, and he told me about what the business was about, how long he has been building it for, uh, what he needs from uh, people specifically for myself. And then from there, we started uh, building the company, started recruiting people, um, you know, but obviously before working and, uh, you know, expanding his network in Nigeria, uh, but he wanted to expand in Europe as well. Um, so that's really the reason why he got me on board. Um, and since then, you know, we've been um, optimizing the entire strategy from A to Z, um, optimizing the way of working as well, uh, adopting some structure within the company, very well needed. Um, so that's what we did. And then uh, from there on, that's how we came base- basically came to the point whereby we're ready to um, expert so yeah a little a lot of time and error of course because he right, was used right. to working in a certain way yeah <laughs> he was used <laughs> to working in a certain way and and working in nigeria and working with europeans is quite different and also finding synergy between both worlds uh is quite a challenge so finding a way to communicate with um the other side and uh, trying to make making them understand uh, what you want to do and how you want to do it and you know what you would basically really need them for is is quite a challenge uh, but we managed because you know my business partner is Nigerian himself so he understands Nigerian and from my perspective uh, I understand Europeans and their mindset so uh, that is basically the one of the I think best um partnerships that i uh, <laughs> that i've oh. had as well so far yeah because we complement each other very well and uh, very grateful for that oh that's good to hear and that that leads me to uh wondering what led you to deciding listen you don't want to get into um you don't want to get into the private sector more or less you don't want to get into employment after your graduation that sort of got you into entrepreneurship and starting on your own you said with your partner at, at the time when yes. you started the company. The, yeah. My question is, what prepared you for that? Was it something that you just felt like you did not want to be employed after school or it was uh, something that you had always thought of doing? I was always entrepreneurial. Um, so I always, I never really saw myself working for someone for, for my entire life. And um, so this was my number one ambition, which is which is the reason why I did opportunity um to get in entrepreneurship at such a young age um so yeah i mean that's happened it it just happened (laughs) it wasn't uh it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't something that was forced or whatsoever it came pretty natural uh i didn't have to think about it twice yeah and i'm an opportunity so if an opportunity presents itself then i like to take it so yeah, of course, that's a, that's a, a great entrepreneurial mindset, right? Yes, and, and it's something that I see that uh, challenges are uh, sometimes the solutions come in the in the guise of challenges. You know, we think Indeed. that they are challenges, but they are opportunities actually, because the challenges offer mm-hmm. possibilities for opportunities. True. Yeah, yeah, and of course, with this opportunity at uh, Bujon Agricultural Company. Uh, you mentioned something about the synergy between uh, Africa and the European market. That's a very interesting 
uh, aspects. What are some of the key elements that you have been uh, introducing and working together with your business partner in Nigeria to sort of bring that kind of synergy in this sector? Well, first of all, um, you know, when you when you start working with someone, you need to find a common ground, um, kind of like same vision. Yes, that's Correct. very important. So we found that quite early and we understood that we both want the same thing. We both, we both want the same thing for Africa. We both have uh, the same vision as well for Africa. Um, when it comes to the agricultural sector. So basically from there on, um, what really needed to happen is, uh, was structurizing the way of working. Right. Um, yeah, so putting structure in place and truly understand what was going on in Africa at this point, Nigeria specifically at this point when it comes to our business. Um, what the partnerships look like, was there, uh, is there some kind of system in place as well? So all of this, uh, also when it comes to sales, okay, what has been, um, you know, how have you been doing the sales so far uh, with whom and um, have been in charge of uh, the legal work? So. You know, you you need to understand like, okay, in Africa, what I notice is that most of the time there's really a system in place. People just work based on trust. Um, a lot of paperwork was lacking. You know, here in Europe, we like to work with systems. We like to put everything on paper. We like Correct. to, uh, administration is very important as well. Um, you know, especially also, you know, I Many startups don't don't pay attention to this, <laughs> especially. Yeah, I know it's just about really yeah, getting things done, so they really don't bother about some kind of just systems. getting started. Indeed, indeed, you know. But if you want to, if you want to get to a to a certain stage, if you want to scale up as a company, you need to make sure that um, processes are put in place. Is that just system? Uh, sure, administration is um, you know well arranged as well. When I speak about administration, it's not only financial administration. Um, you know, it's also all the other paperwork, uh, you know, business. So um, we've, I've looked at all of this, you know, when I, when I got into the company, I just noticed that a lot of links were missing. Um, and that's what we've been working on so far, basically. So at a certain point, when you start, when you start uh, putting those systems in place, and you start to understand how you want to work and it becomes all clear because you need a clear vision. You need a clear way of, you need, a, a let's say, a clear path, Correct. right? You need a focus. You need a focus. And that focus was also, uh, the focus was there, but the strategy around the focus wasn't in place, not specifically, okay? So the, Correct. Uh, my business partner knew what he wanted to do. He knew where I wanted to uh where he wants to head to, but the the let's say that the the deals that he was having or that he had was all of them were like based on trust. And I told him this is not the way that you can work in business. So right. you need to have something on paper somehow, even though it's in Africa. Uh, you know, we need to have clear agreements with these people. Um, so basically, you know, we've been working on that, working on clarifying. Um, let's say the deals with all our suppliers uh, and also, you know, with all the stakeholders within the company. Um, and I think that from their side, they are also appreciated, you know, because eventually we're all people and we need certainty. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. You don't want everything being done on ad hoc basis. Yes. 
Exactly, exactly, exactly. So these are some points that I that I noticed, uh, you know, when when working with Africans as well, is that they work a lot on WhatsApp. So they communicate a lot on WhatsApp. Um, so a lot of documents are being shared on WhatsApp. Um, you know, right. emails aren't really being used that much. <laughs> so this is why also is that? Different. Because um, of network problems. So, yeah, so WhatsApp is easy. You know, if you want to share a document, you just send it on WhatsApp and they receive it more easily than, you know, on an email. Um, so this also something that I experienced a lot during calls. You just notice fails or during a Skype call or Zoom, or Zoom meeting or a Zoom call. Um, so, you know, when you work on a distance, the best thing, uh, when you work with Africans, sorry, or uh, let's say where there's not a great network, then the best communication is for WhatsApp and audio as well, not video, <laughs> because ah. you know, yeah, <laughs> video yeah, the also. Band, the band yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes more M bits as well. So um, these are these are just a couple of things I noticed. I feel like there are still a lot of issues in Africa. There's a lot of things that need to be resolved, um, especially when it comes to to power energy yeah what could, what could, that what could some key. of that be yeah what could some of that be because uh, yeah in terms of uh, technology in enhancing agricultural productivity yeah, I, yeah. I did a bit of reading in terms of what uh, the company does how are you guys bringing that together in terms of using technology whatsapp you just mentioned this which which yeah. is something that we can take for granted at times here in terms mm. of how that can enhance the mm. process of agricultural productivity in itself or the collaboration yeah. between workers and employees. What other uh, technological tools are you guys using to enhance what you do? Well, at this point, um, we don't use a lot of uh, well, technology in our company, to be honest. We are planning to do that in the future. However, you also need to educate people, especially the farmers. Um, and, you know, many suppliers that we work with on um, to work with these systems because they're not used to it Correct. a lot of it is paperwork a lot of it is you know still offline um so it, it it was first start with education from outside it's so, so focused so, so yeah technology mainly what's up <laughs> that yeah. is our main that is our main mode of uh, of communication uh, and email you know once in a while but, um mainly, mainly what's up and I see uh, you guys are expanding quite a lot uh, in Europe. You are based in Germany, as well as uh, Belgium, and of course, Luxembourg. Yeah, so we're not based in those countries, um, but we do business with those countries, <laughs> let's oh, say. So, yeah, we have our buyers there in those countries. And um, a lot of work that I do is remotely, so I don't, I don't need to be in that country. Uh, I can call from everywhere well so especially now we, with the lockdowns and and and, and the covid uh, regulations anyways yeah it's just perfect uh, i think covid uh gave us an opportunity to um let's say experiment a lot uh also test the grounds uh currently my business partner himself he's in nigeria so it allowed him to basically do a lot of field work um and it has been a preparatorial year for us uh, 2020 so uh, 2021 is for us is really all about uh, uh, action and um, you know putting in putting into place or putting in the work.
now. Right, yeah. right, right. Sort of implementing some of the ideas and uh, plans you had, uh, you developed last year. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, within uh, entrepreneurship, say uh, entrepreneurship within the agricultural sector, uh, it, that is an area uh, the company promotes, right? In terms yes. of uh, bringing innovative, more innovative ideas in terms of our agricultural sector. What are some of the, the key elements that are being promoted by the company in, in Nigeria for which, would, uh, for which aim is to increase productivity uh, for exports to Europe? What are some of the areas that you're working on? So basically the way we work is that we have a partner network, um, a partner network of highly experienced individuals within the industry. Uh, we've been working in the industry for many years, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 years. And with our partners, um, we trying to smoothen the entire supply chain process. So we mm. communicate uh, directly with them. So they work with us. Um, sometimes what you see within companies, especially with big companies, that they handle the entire supply chain process. Uh, but because we're still quite a small company, we, you know, we utilize um, the knowledge of others uh, in order to... Uh, you know, to export the goods or to, yeah, to do business basically in Nigeria. Yeah, you mentioned this, the supply chain network. That's one of um, the areas that really reduces uh, intra-African uh, trade or even within, yes. within the country itself, within the national, within the national borders. Uh, is this an area for which you are looking at how you could enhance it and, and see how that can, uh, that some of the products and some of the, the crops that are being harvested are kind of uh, effectively being distributed. Is, is this an area that you are looking at as well? Yes, as a company, it's something that we're looking at uh, to develop in the future as well, because you know, at the at the, at the moment, a lot of roads are um, very risky uh, and bad as well to transport the goods. Um, goods can be lost in uh, in the process uh, just because they're or holes in the, in, you know, in the road or whatsoever. So, you know, but also because of other elements such as uh, rainfall, you know, I mean, it's not like the roads in Europe. So it's not, it's not highly developed and, um, but these, these huge projects, you know, it's not right. only, yeah. It, because it, the main farms not, are in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the local areas, right? The rural areas. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Not in the so they're quite remotely in, indeed um but one of one of i think one of the main things that strike me most is the illiteracy of farmers and also their financial situation very bad it's very bad most farmers um a lot by middlemen so right. that means that for example if i'm a middleman i go to the farmer i want good but I don't pay for them at that moment. I tell them I'm going to pay you in 30 days or 60 days. And then they will never receive their money, but they gave me the goods, which whereby they um, basically lose that, that money and the goods as well. So uh, they've been used a lot in the supply chain. Um, and the other thing is that they don't know how to handle their finances. And this is a big problem. You know, this is a big problem because I believe that um, if a lot of farmers would know how to um you know would have some financial literacy and right. understand more about you know how to save and um you know also to leave something behind for the next generation that 
uh, things would you know would be better for you know, for that for, for them, but also for the environment, and it would also enhance um, you know other aspects as well when we talk about the supply chain. So right. yeah, I'm getting so you. Want, mm -hmm. Yes, they feed the world. So if we want to do something about it, it should start with the farmers. We should educate them. We should teach them about financial literacy. We should teach them about what their product is worth on the international market. We should uh, teach them about you know how the supply chain truly works and what is going on behind their backs. And uh, that's also one of the reasons why with Virgin we want to eliminate eliminate sorry the middlemen because there are various middlemen. You can imagine that a product, for example, can start at ninety six cents and it will end up with a price of three twenty six, for example. Yes, just right. because all those middlemen are adding the value to the product because of the service that they are providing. Um, so this, this has been a huge problem, I believe in, you know, the, <laughs> the agricultural scene, let's say in Africa, yeah, um, in, Africa, yeah. in all of the regions, yeah, yes. in but not only in Africa, I mean, you also see it in South America, you also see it in India, um, you know, a lot of third countries. And I think that this is something that we should really work on, um, in Africa. It all starts with the farmers. Right, right, right. The, the, the point about uh, providing uh, financial literacy to the farmers, I think that's a very key aspect to it, so that they have a key yeah. understanding of uh, what is going on in the market, what is their worth, actually, of the products of that course. they produce. Because most often, if yeah. they don't even know the worth of it, they don't care about how way it ends sometimes. And because no, they, they don't. They don't. They don't. And the worst thing about this is that they compromise a lot. So it, because one month they could have um, enough cash flow and then another month they won't have anything. So if you then come to them and propose them a lower, uh, lower price than they're uh, used to, then they would accept it because they need the money. Right, 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 right. Very, very short-sighted. They don't think about long-term. Only think about now. I think that this is a very huge problem because, you know, uh, I don't, not only in the agricultural scene, to be honest, in Africa, also other sectors, uh, but I believe that we should think long-term, we should plan long-term. If we do this, then, you know, we will be able to, um, yeah, develop, develop the country or the developed continent on many fronts. Right, because the thing is, uh, like you like you mentioned, it's not only once you develop one aspect of what the farmers do, it affects all other aspects. Say, for example, if you are training them in financial literacy, that not only helps them in understanding how the market works, that also helps them in other areas yeah. of their life and managing their own personal financing finances and being able to budget for themselves and their family. Exactly, but not only that, it's also about the next generation because one of the things... Um, one of the main issues in agriculture is farmers. Um, the new generation doesn't think, uh, you know, farming is an interesting <laughs> profession. So what oh, yeah, they the younger do generation is that doesn't... they move. Mm -hmm. Don't think it's interesting. They don't think it's lucrative. They look at their, um, you know, grand grandparents and their parents, and they are like, "Well, you you live in a poor way. You're you're not." rich most of them they want to go to the city and have more opportunities um you know so that obviously they can provide uh for their families in a better way than their parents could or their grandparents could so they're trying to break like this generational chain but um one thing that i believe that you know most young people should understand is that there are 
a lot of opportunities when it comes to agriculture, but you just have to seize it. You know, you just have to take the risks. Um, I mean, you know, this age, most of the aging farmers, they are not literate. Right. You can't right. read most of them. You can't even read or write. Uh, but the new generation who goes to school, they can. So if, if with their knowledge, they would go into agriculture, then I believe that we could um, increase not only production, mm -hmm. but also um, we could also better the reputation that Africa has around the globe when it comes to, <laughs> to the international export. So um, yeah, we, we need the next generation. That's, that's one of the main keys in, uh, or main thing there in the agricultural scene. How, yeah. how are you guys using that within, within your company? Are you, so how are you integrating the young people into, into the sector? Is there a specific strategy you are working with? So basically, a strategy that we're implementing is first of all to having a look at the business. That's number one. Oh yeah, you know, of course. Proving <laughs> it needs to be profitable. To the young generation. Yeah, it needs to be profitable. So you know, proving to uh, the young people in our team because we have had some young people in our team. Huh? Correct. You know, yeah. legal team. Um, yes, to our financial controller, everyone is under 30, uh, you know, at least under 40, most of them. Um, and then, you know, of course, we have a team in Nigeria as well, who um, host more experienced people in the field, they're way more older. Um, but the way we basically motivate them is by showing we're a lucrative business, we're profitable. Um, and uh, yeah, from there on, that's how we want to motivate them, you know. I mean, you have to prove it to them. It's um, that simple. But I think it's yeah, with every proof of industry. Then. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, 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 indeed. So that's how we're doing it at this point. We have a we have a big plan for this in the future. Um, when it comes to educating the youth, um, you know, not not educating but integrating them, you know, right. into the agricultural sector. So we have plans for this. Um, you know, but you need a track record first and a track records could range anywhere between, you know, everyone has a certain goal, but we have our own revenue goal. Um, <laughs> and then from right. there on, we'll, you know, our plans. Yeah. Are you guys thinking of doing urban farming? Because I can imagine that as an innovative company, that's something that you definitely are looking at, right? No, we're not looking at that, uh, yet. Oh, not yet. No. Yeah, but well, you mentioned uh, blockchain no. technology. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? If I might ask, is not something you guys look at uh, as a priority right now? Yeah, for us, it's not a priority yet because um, one of the things that I noticed as well um, when it comes to this sector or the sector that we're in specifically is uh, that you need to start with the basics. Right. You really need to start with the basics because <laughs> what points? What is the point of starting a rural, um, you know, getting into rural agriculture if you can, if, you have, if the people don't even understand, um, you know, what their product is worth and how you can market it and how you can produce it uh, to a finished product and export the finished product as well eventually, you know, because I feel like it's ridiculous mm -hmm. the amount that, um, for example, Nigeria on its own is importing in terms of finished products. When it comes to chocolate, for example. Oh, wow. It's ridiculous. Why would you import a product 
that you have the raw material of in your own country. Why not producing it yourself? Same with petrol. Europeans are buying it, refining it, and then they're selling it to Nigeria. Why is wouldn't Nigeria, you- Is Nigeria buying petrol? Yes. Wow. Because it needs to be refined, yes. Yeah, of course. So it, it's, not re, it's not being refined. Most of it's not being refined in Nigeria. All the numbers are, be, are you can find the numbers on OEC. Yeah. So it, it's crazy. To me, it's not logical that, you know, a continent, a continent where uh, most raw materials are being found, that they are buying the finished products of those raw materials. It's insane. Is there a specific are there specific government policies right now? Say specifically, where in in Nigeria, for example, where uh, you're working now within the sector, where they are actually addressing some of these issues. Well, or where there's even support for what you're doing in terms of, you know, making sure and ensuring that the local raw materials that is actually being processed in Nigeria, for example, let's say cocoa, for example. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm aware of, um, really not that, not that I'm aware of, um, but you know, I know there's a small company in Nigeria who's, um, who's producing chocolate, but it's still really small, still really small. Um, it's you know, not a big company like Cardio or whatsoever. So um, there's still a lot of work to do. That's what I know. <laughs> right, right, right. And that is something that is, 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 quite common uh, on the continent yes it is it is it is you know it is but i mean i i don't believe it's impossible but it would just take um a lot of time because as i said from the beginning it it starts with the mindset it starts with education i feel like the entire continent needs a re-education um, and then from there on, when that is instilled in them, when it becomes, when certain things become a habit, that's where you can start to make big changes, you know, because we can keep on giving money to the continent. Or let's say that you want to start a project in Africa. Um, you want to build a school. Why would you build a school if in the, in the, uh, in the mindset isn't right? The people don't see the value of that school. You see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make any points. Like I don't. It's not logical to me. It's not logical. To me, the logical thing to do is change the mindsets, making people understand why a certain thing is important, what value it will bring to them, and then from there on, you can start together. You can start. Uh, you can start ad- adopting the changes. It's not the other way around. You can't come in, try to change something when people have no clue of why they would change something that they've been doing for, I don't know how many Yeah, they don't see the need. They don't see any usefulness see the uh, in that. If they're not yeah, dedicated in it. Yeah. Of course, they don't understand. I think it's with everybody. I mean, if let's say you're used to doing something. Someone comes in your life and he tells you that, oh, well, you need to... Uh, start doing something else <laughs> you need to change your life the person will be like what are you what are you what do you mean i've been doing this for 20 years uh, it's it been working to, fine it seems to have been working fine so why would i need to change yeah, it? <laughs> yeah so why do i need to change it what are you talking about <laughs> but if right. you if you show the person the value of you know uh, the value of 
that change and what it will do in their lives so positively, the impact that it will have, then that person will be more open and more keen to, you know, slowly on progressively make the change. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's similar to some of the projects that uh, have been undertaken uh, on the continent by nonprofit organizations. For example, they go to a village, dig a well, and well, people are excited about it. But as soon as the uh, volunteers leave for Europe, <laughs> they go back. They go back to using their old ways of, of obtaining water because they haven't actually taught them how to manage the well. And it's, it's something similar, right? You don't educate them in terms of understanding that the old ways of doing things uh, do not work or they work, but very limited. And this is the new way of doing it. And it's good that your company is looking at really educating people in terms of uh, new ways of, of working. Let's segue to something else, right? How has been your experience in the workplace as, as an African woman? What has been your experience? Also, also privately. And to be honest, I haven't really been paying attention to that. Because first of all, when I get into um, a working work, no, let me start differently. What I heard a lot early in the day, I think three years, four years ago, I don't, I'm not sure if that's still the point of discussion, um, that basically a lot of, um, you know, African women or, you know, black women, they said that I can't go to work with my natural hair. That is really? one thing. Yes. I heard that a lot. They, that was the excuse. Okay. So secondly, to me, it's like, if you feel like you can't go to work with your natural hair, then where is where is the bite? Like who is discriminating? You're insecure in the first place, so you're going in a working place being insecure, right? So I think that that's where a lot of these um, biases come from, or a lot of discrimination comes from because I believe that if you have a certain mindset if you're confident about yourself um, that no one can actually really do you any harm so that's why I think I haven't really been experiencing anything in terms of that um, of course people might look at you differently talk about you differently but I think it all depends on how you conduct yourself it really does are they are the employers telling women not to come with the natural hair or is that something that's they perceive that they have been told that because I would see that as some grounds for discrimination, right? Yes. Um, you know, I honestly, I haven't delved deep into that because myself, I don't wear any weaves. I, I've always been like natural. So to me, I haven't really been uh, diving deep into that conversation. But one thing that I, um, I read is that, you know, maybe early, uh, early in the days that they, you know, of women, weren't allowed to go in with their natural hair and then started wearing weaves, but we're in the 21st century. Um, yeah, I mean, we're in the 21st century. In case century. we forgot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in case we forgot. Um, we're in the 21st century and I believe that, uh, yeah, you should, you should be proud of who you are, of where you come from, and you shouldn't let anyone um, put you down or make you feel insecure. Um, and, you know, we have been, we have been born in a certain way with our, with certain characteristics. 
and you know we should be proud of them of course you know sometimes if you want to change it or um you know make yourself a little bit more beautiful we use makeup we can put on the weave but that should be your primary look let's say primary look should be how you are as a person naturally um that's what i think my opinion (laughs) right so um, yeah yeah so i think i think it's really a mindset thing um how is that so well, if you feel insecure, you will project it and people will treat you as such. It's that simple. Sure. If, you feel, if you feel confident, people will see it and they will treat you as such. So I think it's really a mindset thing. It's really what you're projecting towards the world and towards right. the people around you. That's absolutely correct. And I think that for you, you haven't experienced that so much, right? Because uh, no. you were born here, right? Were you born in the Netherlands? So you were born, uh... No, I was born in Cameroon. I came here when I was eight. So When you were eight? Yeah, so I experienced I experienced it uh, in school. Yes, I did when I was younger because I lived in a village, so there was a lot of discrimination. Yeah, of yeah. however, more later, or less, more or less yeah. because they did not know you well. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, but later in the future, I just discovered that it really depends on how you conduct yourself, um, how you feel about yourself. Um, you know, all of this people sense it, people see it. So. Yes, if you're insecure, people will notice. And yeah. That, that's, I think that mindset has really helped you as well in your career through, through these years. True. I really, I truly believe in mindsets. Um, you know, it's not always easy, of course, because you need to put yourself in a certain state of mind. Um, but mindset is very important. And, you know, being, first of all, being confident about yourself and what you want in life and, you know, where you want to get to is, is very important. Uh, um, you can't always know how it's going to happen when it comes to your goals. Um, but you just know that, okay, this is what I want. And this is how I'm, you know, where this is where I, where I see myself, let's say in a couple of years. Um, and, you know, you work towards making a plans for it. What would be your advice to anyone uh, starting a business during this time? Uh, during this time, I think I could advise anyone basically in every industry um, to don't be afraid to start number one, um, because it's a great time to uh, strategize, to prepare. And if you're already in business, make sure to utilize your online presence a lot. Uh, make sure to connect with other people online a lot. Make sure to attend um, online Zoom events and other online networking events because they're out there. So that's what I would really advise people to stay connected to others. Yeah, and, and the thing is that with this, with this period right now, every um, step towards developing a new business idea or sort of uh, working on enhancing or optimizing uh, the current business setup for growth, that really has to be done online in any case, more or less. True, 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 true. Marketing is getting more and more uh, important. And, you know, we just noticed that uh, being online or having online presence, um, you know, it's more crucial than ever. Absolutely. Let I want us to go to something more lighthearted. Okay. Who are the three Fine. people? <laughs> who are the three people who have been the most influential to you throughout your career? Um, three people throughout my career. Well, honestly, I've always been learning from like everyone, speaking some stuff from every 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 single person. 
yeah. you know, from very successful people, but also you know, just people around me. But lately, I've really been looking at Busi Tambakwayo, um, you know, South African em- entrepreneur, Dan Locke. He's a very successful salesman. Um, and, uh, you know, Rico Dangote, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, kind of, a, yeah, our role model for uh, for the business. So that, That's a role model for, for all of us, I think, in every sector, right? In, in, yes, in, in Africa, yeah, definitely. We, we, we look at him and we know that, well, this is possible. That's possible to kind of have that kind of a wide network of uh, that kind of growth is possible throughout the continent. Yes, indeed. I mean, you know, also if you look at other, um, you know, other companies, for example, you know, Cardo uh, or Ola, you know, these companies that a lot of them they started small, you know, and they went into Africa trying to find uh, resources and opportunities, and from there on they grew exponentially. So you know, these are these are great examples of multinationals, and obviously our goal as a company is to become one uh, in the future. Uh, so yeah, that's why you know ourselves will look up to them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you guys are on the journey. You guys are on the path towards it, uh, but especially with the kind of groups that with the kind of group that you are building, young, innovative, um, entrepreneurial-minded people, and those getting into the sector. The agricultural sector is quite huge. It is. It is. Yeah. There is a lot of. Anything. the potential yeah, yeah. So definitely sure and i would advise um a lot of you know young people to get into it surely it's very lucrative and there's a lot of there are a lot of opportunities um you know in terms of collaborations you know there's still enough left on the cake in the supply chain uh enough roles to fulfill as well um so yeah i would truly advise people to get into it uh, what can i say it's very right. lucrative. Yeah. yeah. What has been the biggest challenge in your career and how uh, were you able to overcome it? Um, to find a focus, number one. And um, yeah, to get back on my feet after a failure. It's quite challenging. It's very challenging, you know, because when I was younger, I started, let's say, starting the entrepreneur scene at the age of 17, actually. So yeah. that's why I started doing network marketing. Um, network then, marketing. Which one did you join? Yeah, it's I was yeah. too young. I was too young at seventy. <laughs> I know, but um, you know, I I learned a lot through that. And you know, but one of one of my fi- one of my um, challenges was really to find a focus because you know during network marketing you're working on, on a lot of things and you know trying to sell, but one one main skill that i've always been developing is sales right you know one main skill that i've always been developing so that in that aspect in skill aspect that was my uh that was my focus but in terms of industry um i really need to find you know one industry that i want to work in and and stick to and you know now i found it you know i mean um agriculture would always be a very important sector in the world i mean People need to eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a sector that will never go out of fashion, right? We always have to eat. <laughs> yeah, indeed. That's, a, that's actually a very brilliant way of seeing it. You know, you look at a sector that it's not possible to go out of out of need. <laughs> that's where you focus on. Because the, the, the possibility is quite, it's quite huge in terms of right. innovation, in terms of 
uh, the possibilities and, and opportunities within the sector is quite huge. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, coming back up after a challenge, I think that's something that uh, is an entrepreneurial mindset issue, you know, in terms of looking at, well, it's a challenge, but there is a solution to it, or that there is an opportunity in the challenge. And that is the mindset that gets you up after you, uh, you well, I don't like using fail, but after you face a setback. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it was a huge shock for me, you know, because after, um, because this is something as well that a lot of people don't know about me, but I, we made quite a lot of money. So, I'm sorry. you know, when you, I said, a lot of people don't know that during that time, during my business, that, you know, I made quite a lot of money. So we, we had a huge revenue streams at that, you know, at that age, at such a young age. And when you, um, you know, when that's, when, <laughs> when you don't have that anymore. So when, when that is out of the question at that point, then, you know, you kind of get like this shock because you are used to um, having a certain and, you know, now it's not there anymore. So you have to start from scratch and, you know, your entire life is just, you start from zero, literally start again from scratch, you know, Um, and, you know, the the debts that come that, you know, the the effects of the debts of that business as well are small. So it's like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. What now? How will I uh, regain myself again? How will I, you know, get the strength again to get into business? Um, will I have the courage again to take the risks? Um, you know, it took quite some time to get into a business again. Huh? So, you know, quite almost three years. So, yeah, I can imagine because we're at a at young age that you were at the time. It could feel uh, like disappointment and uh, almost an identity kind of issue, you know, in terms of that you yeah. felt it. Then, then you feel as if you are a failure rather than that it was just a business initiative that failed. Yeah, and it's not, it's not easy because everyone around you is blaming you. Everyone around you is, you know, pointing the finger at you and um, kind of like putting you down as well even more. So <laughs> no one is encouraging you, to be honest, you know. Um, whilst, you know, when you were making it, everyone was around you and all of that. And, you know, I even had employees and, you know, even my employees turned against me. So... How I mean, employees did I, you have, uh, in I can't business? blame them. I can't blame them because they also need their money. Um, and that was resolved in the end. But, you know, these are things that you, yeah, you have to face. Uh, we had around, let me check, seven, eight in the Netherlands. And we had an entire team of developers in uh, Nepal, another country. Yeah. It was a huge team, uh, Christelle. Yeah. You had a large growing team. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were literally putting food on people's table <laughs> yeah, at that age. And yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. How did you, I, I'm wondering, because usually I have this last question I ask my guest is, uh, mm-hmm. what's the one mindset change that led to your part of self-discovery? I would imagine that it was that time that uh, you had quite a lot of changes in your mindset in terms of how you uh, see business, how you see people even. Uh, what was yeah. it a kind of a pivotal time for you in terms of having a mindset change? That period, but also the period whereby, like my, let's say, identity crisis period, you know, after the business went south, um, 
and I had to reinvent, kind of like reinvent myself again, All right. uh, find myself again. Yeah, that's when I really had the mind, mindset, mindset shift, you know. Right, 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 right. Yeah, really in that period of, uh, in that period was really a hard period. <laughs> what was, the, what so, was yeah. the kind of mindset shift that you have specifically? The way you thought or the way you associated the, or the way you did business? Mm, I think the way I perceived the world business. Oh, I see. Yeah, the world, business, but also people. So all of that, you know. Well, tell me more. It, there is something good with that. I would love to listen to that. <laughs> um, well, basically, you know, when, uh, well, I wouldn't say when you're on top. Let's say on top of your game for you. Oh, yeah. Okay. When, when things are going well, then, um, you know, things seem to go easy even though you have your challenges in between but they just those are just minor issues all right but when you go from that point to a point of let's say uh when you go to like 100 to zero in one go that is basically when you see the true face of people when you see how hard and cruel the world can be and, you know, where you basically experience what business is truly about. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that, that, is, that is where you can really sense it. Um, and I think that, you know, everyone needs failure or, yeah, you know, like the... Everyone needs that kind of a challenge to be able to experience, uh, to be able to have a kind of a mindset that sort of builds, builds you on to the next phase of your life, more or less. That's what you mean, right? You sort of need that kind of a challenge that helps build, build your skills for the next step of your life. It does, it does. It, it does prepare you, but you, know, you should also be aware of the fact that um, your entire psyche changes. So you know, when I got out, I was really confused, um, very scared. Uh, and I didn't trust anyone. I didn't trust anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really what happened, you know? So, you know, after, after such time, you need to, you know, get back to yourself again, you know, take a deep breath, take a right. time off from business or continue. Other people just need to continue, but I needed to take time off from business and just really, you know, get back to myself again um because a lot happened and then from that moment on you know i could slowly on rebuild myself regain my confidence regain my um you know strength as well and you know just mindset because it's almost like you don't want to take risks anymore you just want to be in a secure safe place right <laughs> afterwards when you're out of that phase you, yeah, you kind of flourish. And uh, that, is, that is actually the moment where you start to see how valuable that experience was for you. And it has helped me a lot in, you know, the business in Virgin as well. That's helped me a lot to identify certain things. Um, you know, although I still take risks, but it's more calculated as well. Um, and eventually I know that I want to stay in business. Um, you know, so you do 
you do anything and everything to achieve that, but right. within a certain, yeah, within, with certain rules and certain protocols for yourself almost. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's when you develop those specific skills and, and, and rules for yourself that you know yes. that these are uh, rules that are not that unbreakable rules. That these are rules that you need to stick to if you have to succeed in what you're doing. Indeed. And th that is basically how I came in with like, okay, we need to put a system in place. We need to document everything. We need to ensure that administration is uh, in order. Um, you know, so we, we also need an advisor. So all of these things um, put together has helped us a lot. You know, I, I was able to, you know, get us an advisor that uh, has been able to advise us on many, many fronts, especially when it comes to agriculture, because that's his field of expertise right. so you know i've been able yeah i've been able to uh, recruit quite some people been able to get a supplier as well like from europe whilst being in europe uh, supply in africa so these are these are all sort of things that um you know this this experience got me to do all of this and got me to understand how we should conduct ourselves in business and how we should build a business up and uh what strategy to uh to take small stocks was trying to adapt in order to become more successful in the long term, you know, so yeah. Awesome, awesome. Thanks a lot, Crystal. This is quite, I know that this conversation could go on for quite a while, you know, for you sharing your wisdom and sharing your insights and all of the lessons that you have learned yeah. in your journey of entrepreneurship and business development. So thanks a lot for having yes, me today. <laughs> do, you, do you have some parting words to, uh, to my audience? And how can people reach you? Um, people can uh, reach me on LinkedIn. I'm always open to network. Um, so that is, you know, my primary point of contact and some words. I mean, I would say if you're ambitious, if you're entrepreneurial, if you feel like, yes, I want to start a business and you don't know where to start, um, try to find a mentor, try to find an advisor, you know, take someone that has a lot of experience and you know be a student you know that's that's really what i can uh, what i can advise and one of my mistakes as well when i started a company i didn't do that <laughs> right. that's so, one of the lessons you, you, you learned yeah. yeah yeah that's one of the lessons take on a mentor in the beginning and uh, take on an advisor uh you know someone who can advise you along the way in your business and trust me there are a lot of experienced individuals in this world who would want to do that and with those words, I want to thank you, Crystal, for joining me today on this interview. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you.